Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. On today's episode, I sit down with Tim of Cup Sport and we have a delightful chat. Tim uh, joined me uh, from his home studio in Brisbane, Australia, and uh, it was an early start for me and it was an early evening for him. Uh, and we discussed some lovely records and we discussed his journey to date. Um, before we get on with talking about that journey, uh, a few thank yous. I want to thank Hotel Chocolat, official sponsors of Off the Beaten Track. Um, it's nearly Christmas. Um, it might even be right on the doorstep of Christmas. I'm trying to work out when this episode is going to come out. Because um, I've recorded it bizarrely on the 1st of December. So I hope you've all just cracked open your advent calendars. Um, and I, I think this will probably be out um, just before Christmas. So um, head to Hotel Chocolat and get your, get your friends, get your family some some delicious chocolate but treat yourself treat yourself to uh hotel chocolate's creamy booze it's unreal um mint chocolate um orange chocolate salted caramel espresso martini go get stuck in it's incredible and uh and they have been for the last two years the official sponsors of off the beaten track podcast so big love to them thank you very much i want to thank the people at the blue murder club podcast who produced this for me. Um, if you like your true crime podcast, then head over wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Murder Club and check out their podcast. It's ace. There's even an episode with little old me on it. So if you haven't had enough of my annoying lispy Essex twang, then uh, go check me out talking about true crime and some very, very uh, terrifying murder stories and stuff. Go get stuck in. Uh, I'd also uh, like to thank Distraction Pieces Network and the boss man over there, Mr. Scroobius Pip. Very proud to be part of that network alongside some incredible podcasts. So go go check out the other amazing content on the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, also, if this is your first time listening uh, to this podcast, then welcome. Hello. Thanks ever so much for listening. Um, I've already put out 460 episodes, so you've got a bit of catching up to do, but all I'd say is when you get to the end of today's chat with Tim, go and have a little listen. Go and have an explore. See what else you can find. Because if you like big old rock and rollers, then you can hear me talking to the Foo Fighters. You can hear me talking to Papa Roach, um, Deftones, Motley Crue's Tommy Lee. Um, and if you like your indie, then go check me episodes with The Killers, the Vaccines, Suede, Idols, uh, Sleaford Mods, 
oh gosh, the list the list goes on there. Um, some incredible acting talent producers. Um, I've spoken to Alex Metric, Fatboy Slim, Butch Vig. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think who else. Darren Emerson. Um, oh God, William Orbit. He that's the guy that produced all of them amazing Madonna records, and we we that's a great episode. Go check that out. I'm waffling now because I'm I'm trying to think of people that I've had on whilst talking. And I can't multitask. Come on. All I'll say is go over to wherever you get your podcast, wherever you got this episode today, and uh, and go and have a rummage in them archives because there's hundreds and hundreds of episodes where I talk to some amazing people about their careers and the records that have been really important to them. There's also another way that you can um, get more from this podcast and support it, and that's on my Patreon. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon. If you've not heard of Patreon... Um, it's like a kind of little sort of supporters platform. And and what it is, is basically like another little sort of social media feed. You download the app or you can access it on your your laptop. And and it costs you a dollar a month. So works out about 20 pence a week in the UK. Uh, and for that, you can watch all the episodes. So if you like to, to watch your podcasts, then um, I release all the videos over on Patreon. Also, um, I do live shows, online live shows, where you can come along and you can feature uh, on an episode. We do these lovely little live shows where you can all have your mics on, you can all chat. It's not a judgy thing. It's not a really kind of, oh, my record's way more cooler than yours. It's just a really nice place to be, and everybody talks about records and memories attached to them. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's a really fun thing. I like to record little radio shows. So I put radio shows up on there, lots of playlists and all sorts of stuff, and Loads of content for, for 20 pence a week. So that's $1 a month, and that's over on Patreon. Um, and yeah, so you can find out about that at patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Or if you want to find out about that, all the social media platforms and merch and all of that is your one stop shop, which is off the beat and track podcast.com. Should we get on with it? Yeah, let's do that. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with Cub Sport. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Tim, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um... So it's it's quite an early one for me. This is uh, this is probably the earliest I've recorded a, a, a podcast in the UK. What time is it? Uh, I, I presume you're in you're you're down under, right? You're in Australia right now. Yeah, I'm in Brisbane, so it's seven PM here. Nice, nice. So, tell me a little bit about before we get into the song picks. I'm always curious about how people, creatives, essentially, found the. The, the sort of the lockdown period and and my brother lives in in brisbane uh, funnily enough and um and you know from from our communication with him that the, the lockdown situation in in australia was far stricter than than what we'd experienced in the uk and i just wonder how how you found that both sort of personally but how did you find it creatively <laughs> um i was pretty fortunate with the timing of the lockdowns that I managed to do a couple of interstate trips um, 
and I just like managed to dodge the little COVID outbreaks. And then I like just got home in time again before I got like locked out of the state or whatever. Um, so I did manage to kind of like get around and work with some new producers and stuff um, and work on some music that I really loved, which was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was challenging and pretty weird. Like, I think that I, I get my sense of being like an artist largely from playing live and being able to connect with the fans in that way. Yeah. And so I think to have that suddenly just like taken away completely, I did start to like, I think like have a bit more like self doubt and kind of like question things that I hadn't really experienced um, before that. Well, like things like how, how much you define yourself on that interaction and, and, and then live shows and things like how much that, that means to you. Yeah. And I think um, like how much it connects with people and stuff. I think I just felt like a bit disconnected from people in general and yeah, disconnected from a part of myself that I think I had come to like really draw a lot of like my identity from. Sure. Sure. Okay, well, let's talk records. Let's let's uh, let's go on to something way more positive. Um, <laughs> Tim, tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Um, I reckon that it could be "Run Away with Me" by Carly Rae Jepsen. It could be, or is it? <laughs> well, I was. I actually struggled to to get it down to one song, um, but th this is the one that I've decided to go with. Wonderful, and. Yeah, it's like, it's just got that iconic sax line that opens it up and it's just like straight away it's like euphoric and emotive and like uplifting. I don't know, it just, it, I feel like it's one of those songs that like pulls you into yeah. the feeling like immediately. So I'm always interested to, when, when I speak to uh, songwriters, and, and you've chose Kylie Rae Jepsen, which is obviously you know, very, very slick, well put together, infectious pop music. And and I'm always interested to, to, to ask this question because when you're making music, um, how much consideration do you put into the audience accessing your music via the more common means now which will be things like tiktok and getting on spotify playlists and, and kind of trying to work towards the the sort of the the tightening of of attention spans of of of, of young people like do any of them things filter through into your creative process or, or are you more like no the, the song's a song and it will take its own form but do you take considerations to look you know if we can hook them in this this opening intro We'll get on this Spotify place. We'll get we'll get more attention from this. You know, do you, do you know what I'm saying with a question? Like, are, are these yeah. considerations? I feel like I've never, I've never really considered that across like the four albums that we've put out, and especially on our fourth album, I was like, no, this is like purely about the artistry. Um, I, I was like, it's it'll cut through like to the people it's meant to or whatever. But I do think that with the music that I've been working on more recently, not that I've got like playlists and TikTok and that sort of thing in mind, but 
I think that like the longer I am like writing music and um, I guess I'm like the longer that I'm in the industry and we're, we're self-managed and completely independent and everything. So I feel like with each release, we've learned more about like how labels think and how managers think and that sort of thing. So I think for this next lot of music that I've been working on, I have I have taken a bit more time to to get it in a place that I think like still feels um, pure artistically, but is hopefully sitting in somewhat more of an accessible yeah. place than than what we did previously. That's the happy, but that's I the think, sweet spot, isn't it? If you can get that balance yeah. right, that's 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 the moment, right? Yeah, and it's like much harder to achieve than I think I thought it would be when I was like when I had this like vision for what would come next in the Cub Sport journey. But I do think that with a lot of time and care, I have been getting there. Wonderful. Tell me about the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on on you, please, Tim. Um, so that one would be the special two by Missy Higgins. And I think I would have been 12 when I first heard it. Um, my brother uh, was really into her and she had like quite a fast blow up here in Australia. And suddenly she was like number one and she was just like everywhere. And it was music that I'd never really encountered anywhere before, especially that had been like so successful where a lot of it was just like piano and vocals and it had a very like live stripped back um feel to it and she sang in like a super strong australian accent it like it just like really cut through because there was nothing else like it at the time and this particular song the lyrics are just like so like sad and yearning and it's like a piano ballad and um yeah, I remember like lying in bed. I had the the CD on my like stereo system in my room and just like lying in bed and listening to that song and like crying. And I was like 12 and now I'm like, whoa, like that's like a pretty deep experience to have with music at that age. But I'm sure that like I'm sure young people still are doing that. But I think once you like grow older, you, you it's easy to forget like how real life experiences are at those young ages I think, um go on sorry oh yeah i i think i was actually pretty much finished i don't yeah because i think it's um it, it, i think up until a certain point like music is just it's, it's just sort of there as a kid isn't it and then i think that what you just described there when all of a sudden you hear something and it just it gets you on a different level it's like oh hang on there's there's layers to to this all of a sudden I'm feeling something else now from this and and it's pulling me in and I'm engaging and and you know and 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 there's nothing more beautiful than hearing somebody singing in an accent that is you and you know when when I hear sort of like a London accent I'm just like they're singing in my, they're singing like me you know that's that's my hometown that's my you know that's that's the voice that I hear on the streets and you can connect with that straight away um so it was Brisbane where you grew up yeah yeah, my family moved here when I was like six weeks old. I was born in New Zealand and then we moved to Brisbane and I've been living here ever since. Happy place to grow up? Yeah, it's like 
people describe it as like a big country town. I don't, I feel like I don't have anything to compare it to. So I don't even really know what that means, but I think it's like, that it has like really beautiful weather and overall compared to like Sydney or Melbourne, it's like got a pretty relaxed feel to it. Um, which I guess is what people refer to with like the country town thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do really love it here. And I think that I'll probably like, cause it's where most of my family are. I feel like I'll probably like end up here when I'm older. I like plan to like leave for a bit in between. Yeah. Tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. So this one was like pretty tricky to narrow down to one song because I listened to so much different music through school. But I think Britney Spears was like one artist that kind of remained as like an obsession through all of school for me. And um, if I were to choose one song, I'd say Every Time by Britney Spears. Yeah, I mean. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's pure perfect pop, right? Yeah. And yeah, I remember like learning to play the harp part on piano and just, yeah, I, I feel like it, that song again like when it came out there was nothing else that sounded like that that was like cutting through the way that that did like it it's like such a like stripped beautiful like ballad song but it was performing like a, like a massive like pop banger or something yeah. in like the charts and everything so yeah that that song will always be a special one to me that was school tim was that something you enjoyed um, there were parts of school that I really loved. Um, I had a really good music teacher and a lot of really musical friends. And actually, Sam, who's in the band and is also my husband, um, we met at school and we were in like all the school choirs and everything together. So we've like been singing together since we were like 14 or something. Um, 
So those parts of it are, yeah, like very happy to look back on. But there are a lot of parts of it that were terrible as well. It was like a a Pentecostal Christian school um, and like very homophobic and conservative, which made growing up in that world like very confusing. Yeah. Did you know... Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? Yeah, I I always said that I wanted to be a recording artist. So it's pretty cool that it happened. Did it did it always like did it feel possible? Like was there people and an artist, you know, that had that had, had success in, in you know in the in the, the location that you grew up in that made you think, oh, do you know what? You know, because listening to Britney Spears, you know, even in the UK, you look at Britney Spears and you just presume that there's this huge, you know, brand Britney that's put together by these huge labels that that make these Disney kids superstars. And, you know, that that's what happens in America. But like in Australia and the UK, like did it, I think it's very different. And did, did you feel that, you know, there was people that, that made you think, oh, do you know, I could do this from here? I think I I looked to Missy Higgins a lot and I was like, like, I think I can do this because she was like very much like she'd like play piano and sing and she would perform in that stripped back setting like semi-regularly. And I was a classically trained pianist before I started singing. So that was like very in my wheelhouse. And I like connected to that style of music so much when I was younger as well. And so I think that that was kind of like the vision that I had for myself. And yeah, I, I think that I kind of looked to Missy Higgins' career and um, envisioned something similar for myself. So you was a super creative kid? Yeah, I guess I was. I think I, I don't think I realized at the time like that it wasn't normal to have like the obsession with pop music and the music industry in general that I had. Um, like right from when I was like five or six, I would like get up and watch Rage, which is our um, like music video show. And I would like like record all the videos onto a VHS so that I could like watch it all through the week. And my older brother's friends would like quiz me on like the charts that week. And I knew like the whole top 40 and I knew like what had moved from where and stuff. It was like, yeah, now looking back, I was like, whoa, I was like, super obsessed and it makes sense now yeah absolutely absolutely was you a confident kid i think in some ways i was like once i was like performing in front of people i always felt confident and i think because i was quite a late bloomer like i didn't really hit puberty until i was in my last year of school so I was like a boy soprano in year 11. And I think when when everyone else like started to like kind of hit puberty and I was still like this like short, like kind of weird kid, I started to feel a bit like less confident. And then I think also like when I started to come to terms with my sexuality and I I was just like homophobia was the norm for me. So there was a lot that I started to, learn to like try and mask about myself and I think that at that point I started to like lose a bit of confidence and and I think like getting to a place where I like 
feel comfortable with that has been quite a journey. And I think it's still ongoing as well. I think I'll always like have further to go with it. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you always felt comfortable and confident on stage, even at a young age. Um, and I, I think that's a really, you know, crazy thing for people to say. And, and, and you know, I've heard that from, from many guests on this podcast. And the thought that, you know, you've gone on stage and, and played to thousands and thousands of people over over the you know duration of your career. And, it you know, for most people, that's a terrifying experience. And, and not a normal thing that, you know, most people do is to sort of walk out and, and, and literally lay yourself bare in front of a, an audience to, to theoretically be embraced, connected with, judged, all, all manner of things. Where do you think that confidence to perform and and to, to you know, to act, you know, enact with, with, with an audience, where do you think that come from? I think... I think that like deep down right from when I was young, I knew that it was like the thing that I was good at. Like I kind of felt like it was my calling. And then especially like as I've gotten older and after I came out as gay, I felt like just so much more comfortable and confident. And I think there's something about being on stage where you can like people almost expect you to be um, more than like than a regular person or something. And so it's almost like you can do like whatever you want. Like no, no one's going to think you're like weird or anything. It's like, if you can like genuinely connect to the performance that you're giving and just like, let like surrender to it in a way. Um, yeah, I think there's like a lot of freedom in that. And it's like a, a setting where it is okay to be like weird or like yeah. Uh, yeah I don't really know how to describe it but it to me I I feel like on stage I can I can be like my full self like more so than anywhere else yeah safe space right yeah tell me about the first record you remember buying Tim uh so that was um, the Dr. Jones single by Aqua. Love it. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I saw, I remember when Barbie Girl came out um, and I like saw the music video a lot and it was like everyone was talking about it at school. I think I must have been like five or six. And um, then, and I, I like, I did kind of like it, but like I wasn't like obsessed with it or anything then when Dr. Jones came out, I was like, it was like my favorite thing I'd ever heard. And um, I like saved up my like pocket money that I get for unloading the dishwasher and then like went in and bought this single. And then, yeah, I just like listened to it nonstop. And I think that that was when I started saying that when I was older, I wanted to be in a band like Aqua. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, my I think my siblings loved watching rage and like video hits and stuff as well and so i was just yeah i i got super obsessed and that was kind of this that song was the thing that started it all you, you said when you got at home you just played it and played it and played it like, and you know you've been very open about your obsession with 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 music are you still like that now if you 
you, you hear a song, something new, and it just connects. Do you put it on and then put it on and then put it on and then put it on? Yeah, <laughs> I do. But also with that, because I'm exactly the same, if, and if if I hear something that just gets me, I'm just I, I can't I, I can't sleep until I've just absolutely exhausted it. But what I, what I don't have to worry about, which is something I'm always interested in asking creatives, is as somebody that makes music and has seen behind the curtain of making music and sees how the magic happens. When you hear a you know a perfect pop record, are you listening to it? as the artist wants you to listen to it, as just this finished, polished, perfect piece of pop music? Or are you, as the creative, deconstructing it and going, shit, how did they do that? Like, where'd that be? What what have they used for that? Like, can you get it on face value or do you have to look behind the curtain? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky, soft, and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. I think a little bit of both, um, but I feel like it isn't so much of like a deconstructing as it is like admiring the work and like yeah. being like, whoa, for them to achieve this, like they like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it's just like, wow, how did they come up with this? And like thinking about the fact that they were like in a room or somewhere and this just like came to them or whatever. Um, but it never, it never hinders my like enjoyment of a song or anything yeah. which i'm grateful for let's go clubbing tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing please tim <laughs> so i don't i don't really like this song a whole lot it's like been used in a car commercial um a lot like over the last decade or something but the song that i have the most vivid clubbing memories to uh, um, is a song called Don't Hold Back by The Pot Bellies. Um, and, yeah, the, the most vivid memories I have are from when I had a fake ID, going clubbing underage, and Sam and I would go to this gay club in Brisbane, The Beat, and uh, at that point, like, nobody knew that either of us, well, I'm sure people suspected that we were gay, but, like, we hadn't told anyone and it was all like very secret, but we could go to this club and no one there knew who we were, but like everyone there was gay. And so we could like make out there and stuff. And I remember it, I remember like making out with Sam there for the first time in public. And just like, I remember it felt like 
just like the wildest, most reckless thing I'd ever done. But it was like really like a moment from like a coming of age movie or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, <laughs> this pop belly song just like blaring. <laughs> um, when I ask you about confidence, you know, I, I want to ask you an, a, another question related to that. And you've, you know, you, you've had a, a, a an incredible career to date, and in an incredibly difficult industry. So, confidence aside, tell me about how driven you are. Um, I'd say I'm very driven. I think all four of us in the band are so driven. We've been doing it for like 11 years now. We put out our first single in 2011. And yeah, I think before we had any reason to even think that we could succeed, I think the four of us have just had this belief that it's going to happen. And we we really have like all put everything into it. Like all of us worked full time to fund like so much of our touring and recording our records and that sort of thing. And now we all do the band full time, which is like, that was always the goal from the start. I remember someone asking me in an interview, like when we just put out a single, like what's my idea of of success or making it. And I remember saying that it was for all of us to be able to like live off the band. Like that was the dream. Yeah. And yeah. And now we're here and doing it, um, which is just incredible. But like now we have bigger dreams that again, we're not going to stop working towards until it happens. Wonderful. I'm going to take you home. Tell me a favorite song from an artist from your hometown, please. Um, so this one is a hard one as well, because I think there's so much good music out of Brisbane. But I think my favourite song um, out of Brisbane is by Maul Rat, the song Charlie. Yeah, great. And it's just, yeah, it's just one of those songs that is just so pure and beautiful. And the the storytelling in the lyrics is just like it's just so poetic and beautiful and like makes you want to cry, but it's also like such an uplifting song. And yeah, I'm like, I think I'm Morat's biggest fan. Um, And yeah, that, that song in particular is just like something so special. I'm always intrigued to know um, about the, the sort of the local scene, um, tell me a little bit, I want to take you back a little bit and, and, and tell me a little about the early days of the band and, and the scene that was happening in Brisbane. What else was happening? Was it exciting? Was, were bands happy to kind of work together and, and support each other or was there that kind of local band sort of competitiveness where everybody's trying to kind of get a little bit further up the ladder than the other one? You know, what what was going on? I think in my experience, it's always been pretty supportive I think around the time when we released our first single, Evie, um, there was another Brisbane band, The Jungle Giants, who had just put out their debut single. And I'd never met any of them before, but I like loved the song and really admired what they were doing. And 
it's been really cool to kind of like come up alongside each other. There have been so many bands that have like started and then ended like all within this like 11 years of us like kind of just like keeping on working at it and we've become really good friends with them over the years and it's really cool to reflect on that together and um we've like performed together and stuff now but yeah also around the time when we were putting out our first album um i met uh joe Aegis and harriet pilbeam from the band hatchie and um they were really instrumental in a lot of like the music videos and i think giving us the confidence to keep pushing forward with um with our vision when it kind of we had a, a couple of years between our eps and putting out the album and it felt like stuff wasn't really happening and i think it could have been easy to lose faith um but i think having those friends who were like really encouraging and helped us execute the vision was like seriously like a game changer for us yeah. it's your last track tim and i'm going to ask you to be a, a, a tastemaker here and uh, and tell my listeners a song that you think many may not know that you would like them to hear um so that would be phoebe go we don't talk how good is it um oh so good it's yeah it's one of those songs that i like listen to on repeat yeah like it's so much it was i got my spotify rap today and it was in there um but yeah the it came out when we were traveling earlier this year and i just have um like my vivid memory with this song is listening to it on repeat for like a whole day in new york like at the at our accommodation um like before i'd like left home and then just like playing it straight out of my phone as sam and i like went for this massive walk and just on repeat and yeah uh phoebe's voice is like just so unique and warm and beautiful and um yeah i, I just think the production on the track is so beautiful as well it's like timeless and it's something you can listen to like on repeat and it just doesn't get old yeah we make it easy for people to listen to this uh, and all the other tracks that we've spoken about today tim we put together a, a spotify playlist of all your song picks and obviously we put some of your tunes on there as well um like the rest of the world australia is a very open place now and 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 it seems that, that the pandemic is a is a is a is a fading memory and and gigs are happening tours are happening people are back in studios making music what can we expect from cup sport next year um a lot more new music mm -hmm. i can't i can't like specifically say what's coming but there's something exciting coming and it's not too far off and yeah, we'll be playing a bunch of shows. We just announced um, a UK tour for April, May Wonderful. next year. Do you know where you're playing and, in London? Oh, uh, yeah, we're playing at Lafayette. Oh, wonderful venue. Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited to play there. Love it, love it. And if people want to keep up to speed, Tim, with everything that the band's doing, where's the best place to start to speed? Um, we've got a mailing list. Um but yeah, all the socials. I'm like most active probably on like Instagram and Twitter. Okay. 
but I try and like keep all of them pretty up to date. So yeah, any of them really. Wonderful. Well, if it's cool with you when this comes out, we'll tag you in it all so people can go and find you if they haven't done already. Beautiful. Thank you. Wonderful. Tim, it's been a real pleasure having you as a guest today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. There you go. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much, Tim. Go check out new music from Cub Sport now. Go to Lafayette and go watch them um, play when they're over in, uh, in, in London, UK people. Um, and yeah, wherever you are in the world, go give them a follow on the socials uh, and go see what they're up to. Go check out the new music. Go check out their back catalogue. And, uh, and while you're doing that, while you're getting all excited about new stuff and back catalogue, Go and check out out my back catalogue because there's hundreds of really ace pod chats. So go check them out and subscribe. And then that way, you'll get loads of new episodes as well. It's simple. Um, Like I said at the beginning, there's a Patreon as well. Everything you need to know about this podcast um, is at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com and you can get these episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. So just search offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Com. I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, have a lovely Christmas. Be excellent to each other. And I love you lots. Bye-bye.